Welcome back to the Jabbering Jake podcast, episode, oh gosh, I don't even remember, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a long time, I'm definitely sorry about that, I missed a couple of episodes in a row, um, well, I'll get more into that a little bit later, but in some better news, I, uh, well, I figured out how to work my mic stand properly now. The way I had it, it's kind of hard to explain, but you have the part that clamps to, like, a surface, a desk, or whatever, and then the stand part that actually goes into it, and they come apart, and you, you know, mount the part on the desk, and then you can stick the arm part into the clamp and turn it around and stuff. Well, it turns out I had been putting the clamp part on the desk upside down, so then when I put the arm in it, it has a very limited range of motion, like turning left and right, and it doesn't really sit in there too well. It kind of wobbles. And I just recently discovered that it goes the other way around, and then you can, you know, turn it left and right basically 360 degrees. Aside from with the cords there, getting tangled up on stuff. Uh, I also figured out the reason I've been I've been tripping uh, when I walk around. When I put my sneakers on, I walk around this whole time. Did you know that those laces on there, um, you actually tie those up. And one, uh, they help keep your shoe on tighter so it doesn't fall off. And two, you're not always stepping on them and tripping yourself. I just learned that. Um, right around the same time I learned how to properly use my mic stand too, so that's pretty cool. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, I apologize that I've, it's been a couple weeks since I posted an episode. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't really have a, a good excuse for it, except I just didn't know what to make for podcasts and I I wasn't in the right mindset uh I've been doing a lot of introspecting lately uh and any of you that tuned into the personality test episode might sort of understand a little bit more about my thought process now and sort of what was going on in my head there but I uh I reevaluated a lot of things that I'm doing and now, I've, I finally, I think, starting to get back into a better mindset, or maybe not even back into one, but into a better mindset of just pursuing my hobbies and and stuff like that, and really trying to figure out how to manage my time, and I'm trying to get back into that, so I'm, th- I'm hoping and I'm thinking we're on a good trajectory to get back on track with these podcast episodes. Um, so I just recently got back from... A trip up north. Um, but actually, before I want to talk about that, because that's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a story. We're gonna we're gonna keep going with a couple more of the anecdotes. Um, but this is kind of related to me heading up north. So it gets crazy dusty in the house. Crazy dusty, dirty. I, I think I've talked about it before. How 
you know, after a couple days going by of not dusting, especially in my kitchen, dining room area, like a day or two of not dusting, and it looks like somebody dropped my house into the desert in the middle of a sandstorm, let the sandstorm finish, took a couple shovelfuls more of sand and tossed it in there, and then brought my house back here. It gets so bad and so dusty, and it's probably a combination of, you know, just the... It's a little more dusty down here. Maybe, you know, some kind of dust uh, going through the air. Um, the air unit I have to heat and cool my house. Uh, also, I'm sure most of it, I always say this is most of it, is, you know, the dogs tracking in dust and dirt through the doggy door, which is always open. Um, well, not, you know, not open, open, but they, you know. Don't try and break into my house, is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, the dogs always have the in-and-out in access through that door and tracking in dust because they like to dig up the yard and expose the dirt underneath. But it gets really dusty in there. So, finally, I decided to get an air purifier. Uh, just one, a sort of smaller one to test for now to see how it works. So I put it in my kitchen, one of the dustiest rooms in the house, because, like I said, that's their sort of in and out access to the house with all the dirt. There's dirt right outside the door, and so they come in and out right there. And honestly, over the past week or two, I think it's actually been working pretty decently. The dirt and dust doesn't seem to collect as quickly or as much in the kitchen now. And I looked at the intake of the air purifier, and it basically looks like the inside of a vacuum bag. So I think that's a good sign. Now it's very dirty, very dusty, which means all the dirt and dust is going there and not all over everything or into the air that we're breathing. So hopefully that'll help out a lot. Uh, I'm happy with the results so far. I think I want to try to find a more central location to put it. Air purifiers, they're great. This one, it's from a company called Levois, L-E-V-O-I-T, air purifier. It's great. It wasn't too expensive, and it works amazingly, so I'm happy about that. Uh, but one of the hobbies I'm doing now that I mentioned earlier, things I want to get back into in my spare time, along with the voice acting, which I'm still working at, some fun fun stuff to do on the side um, is a website that a friend of mine Rob uh, who DMs for one of my D&D groups he is working on making a, a website for people playing RPG games like tabletop RPG type stuff like D&D and so I recently started helping him with that uh, and it's it's been really fun. It's been helping me get back into uh, actually doing stuff in my spare time. So I'm enjoying that. And speaking of Rob and that group, I got to see some people in person recently that I haven't seen in a while. So I just ma recently made a trip back up north, uh, back up to Vermont and to Canada and stuff like that to just visit some 
some friends that I haven't seen in a while. Um, some people that I haven't met in person ever. And it was just really nice. I went up north. I spent some time um, with one of my best friends from high school. Stayed at his place for like a whole week, actually, for the first leg of the trip. Um, and then we went up north and met up with another friend of ours once we got to Canada. And spent the weekend there. And we went to his gym. And we went to the gym, you know, my friend in New Hampshire and I both went to the gym his gym together, but then we went up north and went to our our other friend's gym. And what's cool about our other friend's gym is he also it also has a climbing gym in it, which is really cool. Um, unfortunately, we did not have the time to check it out, but it's definitely a you know there there's a rock climbing gym sort of close-ish to where I am, but it's it's a decent drive, not something I could do every day or too many times a week. It's a good almost hour drive away, but this is right around the corner. It's at his gym that he goes to anyway, and so it's a cool opportunity to be able to, to go climbing. You know, next time I visit him, I'll try to give it a try, or I want to start trying to go to the one here too. Um, I've definitely been interested in like rock climbing, like bouldering, like indoor rock climbing, uh, mostly. Just as a fun way to get some to exercise, build some strength up, stuff like that. And I also spent some time up in Montreal, meeting some people there that I went to university with. Uh, meet some of the people I work with, have a nice meeting with them. Uh, it's good to be back. It's, it, it had been a while, um, well, a while, a few months, I guess, <laughs> but the, uh, the weather was, you know, I thought I was going to be a lot colder than I was because I've started to get used to the unbearable heat down here, I think, but actually it was quite comfortable. Now I found the temperatures to be quite, you know, quite good most of the time throughout. So, you know, maybe there, there's still some hope for me yet to retain some of my cold resistance that I've had from living up here. Uh, and then, of course, I, after I was done with the Canada part of my trip, I went back to, you know, the town where I live and stuff like that, hanging out with people there. I stayed with two different people there. One of them is one of the guys um, that I played D&D with, and... It was funny, the first day I was staying at his house, um, he was uh, stuck at his job working late for some, for for a decent amount of time. So I was just there hanging out at his place waiting for him to get back. Um, you know, I felt bad for the guy, obviously. He, uh, you know, he certainly wasn't planning on having to stay out late, but that happens sometimes with jobs. You can't always plan for it. But, uh, you know, he gets back and we were able to hang out for a couple hours before we both went to bed. And then the next the next day, you know, we both worked. And then afterwards, luckily, he didn't get held over this time and it was D&D &D night. And 
basically what happened in this session is his character went evil temporarily. And here's the thing about this whole pandemic and everything being remote and us talking to people through video conferencing softwares or messengers or stuff like that. I think it's great to be able to do that. I, I think technology is awesome that it affords us that opportunity. It's amazing. But there are just so many things that you lose or that you can't pick up on in genuine face-to-face -face interaction when you're interfacing through, you know, one of these softwares. And that is, right... We are acting and reacting to what his character's doing, trying to stop him, trying to come up ways to foil his plans that he has, he and his character suddenly felt compelled to need to do. And when he wasn't, when he was kind of sitting back and letting us do our thing, either A, I could hear him giggling in the next room, or B, he would walk out to the room where I was at and just give look at me with this stupid grin on his face as we're sort of like scrambling trying to figure out what to do next <laughs> and it was so annoying and so hilarious at the same time and that's just you know not something that could have very easily happened over our calls the way we normally do them especially since with our calls we don't use our cameras just because, you know, most of the time we're probably not looking at the at the call anyway. We're looking at the other stuff and, you know, bandwidth and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, the, this technology and the way we've been able to adapt to a more remote or online society, it's great in some ways, right? Because we're able to connect with each other even if we're separated by hundreds of miles of distance from other people, which is great because being able to, for example... You know, play D&D &D &D with these guys online is better than not being able to at all and not being able to see them or whatever. But nothing, still, nothing beats human face-to-face -face interaction. I think I've talked about this before. Maybe I haven't, but certainly on the Huberman Lab podcast, it talks about it. Um, there's chemicals released by our brains when we interact with somebody in person versus when we interact with somebody online. Uh, chemicals that are released when we interact face-to-face -face and that aren't released when you're interacting with someone online. And they're like hormones and chemicals in a brain that make us feel really good and improve mood and, and stuff like that. So, if you're listening, I guess the message for this part is, you know, if you have an opportunity, go out, say hi to people, talk to people. You have friends and family, meet up with them in real person. Go hang out, have a coffee, have some lunch. Just sit and chill and, or invite them over or go to their place and just sit on the couch and and just, you know, chat about nothing for a while and just notice the effect it can have on you. It'll probably improve your day in some way. Uh, it certainly, certainly did for me. It was a very enjoyable, enjoyable thing to be able to chat in person with a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a while. Um. Or to see their evil, stupid grin on their face <laughs> as they're working against us. Um, 
So yeah, that was that. And then the the next day, uh, I went and stayed with another friend of mine uh, from the same D&D group because the first friend had to go away on a business trip that weekend. But uh, we went and I went and stayed at his place the, the first night. And we, you know, again, we were just sitting there chatting about things for a while. And we ended up watching uh, a movie from this anime that we both watched called Saga of Tanya the Evil. Basically, long story short, this little girl born like a, a military and like magical prodigy. Uh, all they want, all she wants to do is live a comfortable, safe life away from conflict, live the easy life. But because she's so gifted and skilled with magic and, and strategy, she becomes basically this like frontline commander of like a battalion in their army. It's more or less loosely supposed to uh, depict, you know, World War Two era conflict except with magic and flying and i say loosely it's not like a one-to-one it's not necessarily a one-to-one recreation really or like most of the set pieces are necessarily the same it's more so just the aesthetic um which kind of had given me an idea at some point for a character for a D&D campaign, which is basically exactly just a ripoff of the main character, Tanya. But basically, a lawful evil, so like somebody that's evil seeks to, uh, seeks to do things for their own gain, uh, oftentimes to the detriment of the common good. But, they stay within the confines of the law. So, for example, in the show, uh, light spoilers on the series, there's a couple of soldiers that were very rowdy, raucous, uh, I, I think opposed um, the commander in the show. Uh, it's been a while, so I don't remember it too clearly. But essentially what happened is she had them assigned to a pillbox near the front lines, that she knew was likely going to get blown up by enemy fire. And sure enough, it did. So it's like, yeah, that's pretty evil. But it was technically all within the confines of what she was permitted to do. She didn't straight up murder them. She just put them in a situation where, I mean, somebody probably would have had to be there anyway. So that's kind of the idea of uh, lawful evil. Um, yeah. So maybe one day I'll create a character. For a campaign that's like that. A reluctant child prodigy that doesn't want to fight. But has to. And is kind of evil. Um, but so we did that. Hung out. And then we went and did an in-person D&D session. The next day with our group. Minus the one friend who was away for the business trip. Unfortunately. So we took a break from our main campaign we've been doing. Um, and a... a, a a big deal of that also being because the one friend kind of made his character so important to the campaign that we couldn't really do another session without him. 
um, but also just to experiment with some other stuff. So we did a a campaign kind of using a, a book um, to help us emulate like what a dungeon master would do so that um, Rob, our guy that usually does that job, could kind of also be a player. And it was it was quite fun. We made a, an interesting party. Um, I created a character called an Arakakra, which is like basically bird people. And I made him a monk, uh, which actually works quite well um, because monks usually fight unarmed and the Arakakra have claws that they can use and they have great movement if they're flying, which is great for a monk. Monks are very nimble and stuff. And uh, it's funny, the way I built him, he had crazy good stats for what he, he needed to have, but also had really horrible stats for the other ones. Uh, partially because I did that on purpose, I made them worse. So he was super nervous. He, I made him a super nervous, shaky, not very zen monk, but he had such mastery over channeling his key that when he did, he suddenly became the biggest chad. And m because monks also work best when they're unarmored, uh, my character was wearing nothing except a nest. Because when he was a kid, he never left the nest. And then couple that with Another character created by uh, Tom in our group. He created a gnomish, a, a gnome barbarian, I think it was. That whenever an enemy critically attacked him, or he critically failed attacking an enemy, he would soil himself and create. It would create a stink cloud within five feet of him, which was hilarious. It never happened during that session, but if it would have, that would have been awesome. Um, I tell you what, sitting with uh, some of these guys who've been playing D&D for a while and seeing the things that they come up with, it's so crazy and cool and creative. Um, and same thing, Rob, he came up with a, <laughs> basically a blind, uh, rogue who had a, an ability that uh, when they can't see and the enemy can't see they have advantage attacking because they're used to not being able to see and he was like this famous sort of duelist and then we had a human a human sorcerer but he was raised by giants and man, the interesting situations and adventures we had. Uh, we got attacked by uh, a bunch of wolves and a, and a bugbear led by a bandit chief. And we defeated them. Essentially what happened, our sorcerer fireballed the group of wolves, almost killed all of them. A fog rolled over. My character went and punched the absolute shit out of the rest of the wolves and the bugbear. And then the fog cleared and the bandit chief was afraid of our rogue. My character had stunned him. And all of his companions were dead. <laughs> At which point he said, fuck this. I'm done fighting now. And we asked him why. And so this is a 
a case where the Oracle, the emulator came in, you know, where you roll a die, you roll dice, um, and look at the tables to see what words it generates. And it said pleasure and seek. So that could obviously mean many things. They were doing it just for fun. Uh, he was doing it maybe to get money for gambling or just to get our loot for selling for whatever worldly vices, alcohol, contra other contraband, um, to go gambling. But, of course, what did we interpret that as? He was trying to get laid. And thus was born the legend of the murder pussy. I kid you not. That's what we started to call it. You know, the bandit chief was like, well, have you ever met Margaret? And of course, my character was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, why would you go to such great lengths for this? Is you know, because my character was a monk, he was celibate and stuff like that. And so Tom, his gnome was like, lad, let me tell ya, pussy that's so good, you'd literally murder someone just to have a few minutes or an hour or whatever with this pussy, lad. You... <laughs> and, and so my character's like, oh, well, I don't... Is it, is it really that good? Like, will it help me reach enlightenment? He's like, mate, if it's so good that you'll murder someone for it, I promise you, you're, you'll find your enlightenment. And so then, suddenly, our, our party had a quest to find this legendary murder pussy. And, and you know, that's a thing that just happened. Because that's how fate decided it. Uh, we also, later on, found a tribe of cannibals that was terrorizing an Arakocker tribe, basically capturing a member of the tribe and eating them for supper if they approached. And I mean, there were things that led up to this. The dice rolls were so unlikely that any of this was going to happen, but, you know, probability just sometimes doesn't make sense. You know, I was flying over a lake. It was a small, like, tiny, tiny, tiny village floating in the middle of the lake. Um, and they ended up attacking me as I got close, so I was just like, oh, I'll just fly away. And we're like, yeah, there's no way that they're going to chase you. They just want to keep people away. Well, sure enough, they decided to chase me, and we basically ended up coming to the conclusion that they were cannibals. And maybe because it was hard for them to find food, like fish in the lake or something, or enough fish. But... After discussing with my party, we had to go do some other things before we could help this tribe clear out the cannibals attacking them. But that we would come back and help them. And this is one of those things where... Okay, so a lot of the guys in my group, or at least the older guys, they're really not crazy about characters with super high, like, broken stats. Because there's, you know... Especially if you've done it before. Only so much fun that you can have with a character in a game that's just stupidly overpowered and just absolutely rolls everything they come across, right? A big part of it is getting into the character and role-playing it. So sometimes 
if they roll really high numbers for their stats for characters, they'll deliberately dump some of them and make them worse, uh, which is what I happened to do with my character because I rolled amazingly well. Uh, I basically just kept the best rolls for the most important stats for my character and basically halved everything else, which made them abysmally horrible. And so one of the things that my character was not great at was charisma. Hence the very nervous, shaky demeanor that he has a lot of times. And so when he was going back to talk to the tribe and let them know that we will still help you, but it turns out we're going to have to come back later. And I had to roll a persuasion check on the, on the dice to see how well that went over. And I rolled the worst roll possible, a critical failure, a one. And my charisma was so bad that my modifier actually negative points. So it actually detracted from how well I did. So I, it was like a negative three to charisma. Like, I'm not kidding. Really, really bad. So the result from rolling that one was a negative two. <laughs> And it was just so perfect that I picked my character's nervous demeanor to go into this interaction. And then it failed horribly. And just, you know, Tom acting out like, You fucking asshole, you gave us hope! You son of a bitch, I never want to see your face again! <laughs> and it's just one of those moments where it's like, We're going to remember that crazy stuff happening. We're going to remember that more than we would have remembered if I had succeeded. And they're like, okay, fine, come back later. Just, you know, don't take too long. You know, it's that kind of thing where you can really have fun with these things. And and again, hanging out with people in person and getting to experience stuff like that together is the best. So, like I said, if you get a chance, go, go meet people in person. Um, but as far as doing some guest podcast episodes while he's up there, it didn't happen. Um, you know, when you hang out with people that you haven't seen in a while and you just, you just kind of want to hang out, you know, it, it can be hard to schedule, uh, it can be hard to schedule stuff like, Hey, let's sit down and do a podcast together. And then you got to think about, okay, what do we want to talk about for the podcast? And, you know, you kind of just want to hang out with your friends that you haven't seen in a while. So unfortunately, you know, I didn't get any guest episodes recorded maybe at some point i mean i can always still record them you know over something like uh, skype or jeez skype there's a there's one i haven't used in a while but you know what i mean i can call them online and we could always do a, a, a podcast episode that way um you know or i could start trying to talk to people that i see regularly to see if they want to do something but it, it, you know it's hard to convince people sometimes but I do promise that guest episodes will be coming eventually. Um, but anyway, uh, I think I'm going to call it there for now. I had a couple more things to talk about, but I will talk about those next episode. Anyway, uh, I know it's been a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Hopefully uh, some of you will still be there listening. I know for a podcast, a, a creator of my size, two weeks off, not putting out an episode, might as well be an eternity. Um, so if any of you stuck around, thank you for sticking it out. I promise from now on, we're going to be trying to get these things out more regularly. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, 
or even if you hated it, spread this to your friends, family, acquaintances, mailman, your enemies, your dog, anyone you see on the street, and share the love. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye.